Welcome to Mind the Artist. I am your host, Anne Dorco, and my mission is to combat anxiety with chaotic good through the Dorco TV community. This podcast helps me do that by giving you insights into the minds and stories of original songwriters while providing those creators a space to share what's important to them and talk about one of their published tracks. Today, we are talking to Whitney Lendquist. Whitney is a multi-instrumental musician who writes, arranges, and records, and produces her own music. She is proudly out as a lesbian and enjoys writing about and expressing that perspective and point of view. She's known for not letting one album stay in a single genre and for capturing multiple energies in her music. Whitney Lindquist, welcome to Mind the Artist. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I like to start these episodes out with a rapid mini interview. It warms both of us up and starts off the listeners with some fun facts about who you are. Are you ready? Whitney Lindquist, thank you for joining me today. Welcome to Mind the Artist. We're going to start off with a really quick short interview that warms us both up and kicks off the listeners with some fun facts about you. Are you ready? I am ready. Thank you for having me. Oh, definitely. What is your favorite nickname for yourself? My friends refer to me as Wit. And what is the last song you listen to that's not your own song? I listen to Novocaine by The Unlikely Candidates. Oh, that sounds familiar, but I don't think I actually know that. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Oh my goodness. Probably that like medium bright-ish yellow, I'd say today. Not today. <laughs> like, a, like a nice yellow. <laughs> <laughs> today, my favorite color is yellow. <laughs> As for comfort beverages, are you a tea or coffee drinker or something else entirely? I actually do both coffee and tea depending on the time of day. And speaking of time of day, are you a morning or a night person? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like them both. <laughs> You're like, I'm just a person. <laughs> well, I mean, I wake up early in the morning and I'm happy and then I go, I stay up really late and I'm also happy. So I'm very happy with both times of those days. The day. What a fascinating answer. <laughs> What is your dream music collaboration? Okay, do you know Shura? I, I don't She's know. She's this I like lovely, enchantress voiced, like beautiful lesbian who just released an album called Forever about her girlfriend that she loves. I would want to do a duet with her. That sounds incredible. I don't know who it is, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. How would you describe yourself in three words? I am outgoing, but nervous and probably flamboyant would be my last description really relatable. Who, <laughs> yeah. is, who is your biggest motivator or personal influence? My personal influence would probably be Tegan and Sarah. And I know that that's like probably cliche because I'm such a huge like lesbian, but, <laughs> but I like, I discovered them when I was 13 and they like really were the reason why I came out so young and the reason why I started my music career that young. So I like, I feel like they're my huge influence and like what I've always been striving for. So them. Totally makes sense. And I mean, as far as maybe the lesbian artist community is concerned, it's cliche, but for the grander world out there who doesn't know these stereotypes, you know, maybe it's yeah. not so cliche. Well, thank you for being a regular human being without any like extra labels. That's completely odd and unique. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of the short interview just to kind of warm us up, get some interesting information out there about you. We're going to move on into a little bit more about you and your music. So I know that you specify that you really can't be pinned down to a genre. And I definitely know that feeling. 
But as far as how do you explain what kind of music you write and what are maybe some of the different genres you have maybe dabbled in or played with? All right. I actually get this question every single time I say, yeah, I'm a musician. So I've actually got this down to like a little science here. I'm classified when you research me. I am classified to alternative, which is what I identify with because it makes the most sense. I play eight instruments, so it's really easy for me to not have a genre and I can just like make whatever I feel that day. So I've done pop and I've done acoustic. And I've done like bassy guitar alternative music. So like, I feel like that's really what I do most is like acoustic or alternative. And that's what's coming up in the next albums in probably October and November. But I'm like learning to separate them because like I can have an, I've been doing my albums by era. So like, here's a timeline. And so like my last record is called Alive and that's written and created and like felt between like January and March. So that would be then. Mm-hmm. And then I came out in May. So I think now what I'm going to start doing is separating my albums by genre. So my new album is going to be acoustic and the one after that's like all alternative music. So that's kind of like what I do and how it is. I think that's really interesting how you mix and match all those different things. And actually, my next question for you was you are a multi-instrumental musician and just a little curious. So what's your musical background? How did you start playing all these instruments? And of course, what instruments do you play? Okay, this is a list and I always forget like two because it's four too many. (laughs) I was in musicals starting at like age seven and eight. So like that's when my musical career like began as far as performing in stage presence. But my mom had me play music like my whole life. So in like grade two, I was in violin. So now I do violin and then I did flute. And then upon discovering Deegan and Sarah, you learn the lesbian instrument, which is the guitar. (laughs) So that's the flute, violin, guitar. I play bass, drums, and saxophone and piano as well. Also something else. What is the last one? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, ukulele. Of course. There you go. It's like a smaller guitar. It's baby guitar. (laughs) I guess you've already kind of answered this, but how does playing multiple instruments change the way that you write music? It depends on which instrument I'm actually sitting with because I will be able to capture different energies depending on what I'm playing. Like you can't write an acoustic song with a saxophone, right? Right, right. (laughs) Not so easily. (laughs) Also, I recently learned how to play saxophone and I have no recorded songs with playing it yet. So that should be fun. Yeah. So it's really just like what I'm sitting with and how I'm feeling and then that will dictate the mood of the song. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking like, I mean, I play some instruments, not eight, but I play some instruments. (laughs) And (laughs) even just if I'm writing a song while I'm playing the piano versus on the guitar, or if I'm like improving on violin, like I'm going to have a very different mood. So I was just curious what your what your insight was on that. So yeah, I I definitely feel that each kind of instrument brings out a different mood and it's going to impact the end result of what you're writing at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I also love how like they talk to each other in the song. If you like use more than one, that's my favorite part about like multi-instrumentalism is like being able to put them together and have them speak to each other. Yeah. And you get to become your own one man band. That is what I call myself. And people are like, oh my God, do you have a band? I'm like, I'm a one man band. <laughs> You're like, I'm the band. Hello, I'm the band. <laughs> when you can mix it all together later, it doesn't matter. You can be everybody. Yeah. Magic of music production. All right. So then (laughs) you also run your own record label. So what does that actually entail? What does that mean that you have a record label? It's actually a lot more basic than you would think. I am legally an entrepreneur. I like do the taxes of owning and operating a record label. I have like a domain that I run it through and then it's called Lindquist Records. And then all of my albums that I release through the same platform would then be called Lindquist Records. 
Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the whole thing. Wild. Like Wild. People, I've been asked multiple times, they're like, how do you run your own record label? And I'm like, it's really easy. <laughs> you just say that you have one and then you're done. That's what I was, I honestly, because I've looked into this because that's how my brain works. But so <laughs> I was pretty sure that that's how simple it was, but it is really comforting to find out that that is exactly how simple. Oh, it's exactly that simple. You just type, they're like, what label is this? What label are you releasing under? And then you just type your own name. I've been using Dorker.tv since that's kind of my thing. And I was like, I don't know if this is like legally binding, but <laughs> this is what I keep calling my record label. Well, anything that you actually create or take pictures of or produce in any way is copyrighted to yourself. If you like know yeah. anything about legality, I'm sure you do. It's actually know, already so. legally yours because you've created it. So it's copyrighted yeah. in that sense. You really don't need any more than that. Yeah, I use it for the branding, but... Do it for the brand. <laughs> For the brand. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that, that was all I had for that. <laughs> cool. So I'm going to actually move us on into talking about your track. So okay. you have a track called The Edge, and this is your most recent track, you said? Yes. It, just, it came out August 1st. Oh, that is super recent. Yeah. If I have any grasp of time, which is a very loose grasp <laughs> of time. <laughs> so as I was listening, I had this on repeat earlier today. It's kind of a dark and seductive where those two words that really stood Thank out you. to me it reminds me of like something i heard at like clubs in berlin like something kind of a little bit you know i don't dark is just keep what keeps coming back to me but a little bit gritty a little sultry like you know there's a big story there and if you could just you know tell us a little bit about the story that's very sexy of me i'm glad that you hear that <laughs> <laughs> this song is actually about how i met my wife <laughs> believe it or not so she was dating somebody else obviously and the song is about wedging your way in there scoring even though there's a goalie (laughs) this is awful i sound like a terrible person (laughs) i promise i'm very nice i just i uh really i had fancied chelsea for about like six months to a year and i knew that like she's as soon as i met her i realized that she was seeing someone I actually met her next to her girlfriend and I was like, oh, oh shit, no. they're together, you know. So this song, I start like, I've always been this way, which I haven't, but you know, art. And then I, I go to explain that like this is my fault and I'm taking the blame for it because I'm pursuing somebody that I know is unavailable. And then I say, if you're going to lose your mind tonight, I hope that you lose it with mine. Meaning like, we're going to commit sin together in both the gay way and the infidelity way. In the gay way and the infidelity. <laughs> oh my god, this is just like I shouldn't have released the song itself. <laughs> and so, so the chorus says, "I like I won't try to push it over the edge, but it feels good to know that I'm in your head." Meaning, like I'm not going to be the one who makes the final move or say because that's going to be your job. But it's nice to know that you fancy me as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what the song is. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, dark and seductive is definitely words that go with that. I think. Yep, that's you got me there. (laughs) I mean, my next question really builds on some of the commentary you've already added on here. (laughs) Did you have a struggle deciding that this was a song that you did want to publish? Because it's a little bit of a controversial topic. What with the concept? So, like, I had no problem with it. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna release that. (laughs) Have you heard Perpetual Motion? Hell yeah, we're gonna release The Edge. How long ago did this all happen? Like, is this something very fresh? I know she's now your wife. She's now my wife. We did elope fairly quickly into the relationship. So this happened like in the beginning of summer, like May-ish and then June. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is still pretty like raw and fresh then, definitely. Yeah. Although it feels like we've been together for a very long time, which is why I need to marry her. (laughs) I know these feelings. (laughs) 
Yeah. Good old gays. Um, all, all these gay people. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I didn't have a... Didn't no follow-up. Follow for, that, for that one. Um, anywho, a lyric that really stood out to me was kind of towards the beginning, and I'm thankful that you skipped over it just a moment ago, because then I would have really had no other questions. <laughs> you talk about, in the lyrics, you're embracing the evil sides of yourself in the name of wanting to be authentic if you yes. can just talk a little bit more about that i embrace the evil sides of me because i am hell-bent on authenticity yes this is a lyric that's actually about my personal struggle with my music this is that was not actually that related to this song and more related to like what's coming next in the albums that i'm about to release i have been finding in my writing that i'm being less authentic in the name of like a boppier song Right. So what's about to happen is me like spilling some truth tea and talking about my experience. So like that and one of the other verses in the song are like, am I doing what actually makes me happy? I don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. really what that is, is. That's my little hint that I'm going to come in and start writing the way I used to and writing it all instead of, you know, just spitting something out. So that's kind of what that's about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think it's also, even though maybe that's not related to the story that the song is about, I think it's really fitting that it is in that song because that yeah. song is just super raw. Like, that is such a raw song. Like, I think that that's why it goes there. I thought it would fit really well because, like, you know, being authentic and going after somebody, even though you know it might not be, like, the best choice or, like, just knowing you're going to jump in and then work out what the issue is. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. No, that's really cool. Yeah, I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that. Just that phrase jumped out to me because, yeah, I mean, I, I also have identified with this idea, but more of like the evil aspect <laughs> where like I was actually just recently rereading some of like, it was not lyrics, it was like creative writing when I was in a pretty dark place and just me exploring this like concept that I had this evilness <laughs> and then to actually have shared that writing ever just kind of resonated with me with this line. Oh, I'm so glad. I love hearing stuff like that. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's why also it's been exciting for me to have this podcast because I get to like hear really, I guess raw is I keep getting stuck on words during these interviews. <laughs> I just get to hear some really, really close to the heart originals from people. And that just really speaks to me so much. So that's, yeah, these lyrics were very, very intense and very, yeah, just spoke to me quite loudly. I'm very glad to hear that. So I want to go ahead and actually move us right on to talk about a little bit more about you and who you are and some of the stuff that you believe in and what you stand for. And the first part being that you're a proud and out lesbian. In fact, the specific phrase you used on your bio was sapphic lesbian. And as a fellow queer person, I got really excited to hear about music and hear from another songwriter who is totally out. So there's a struggle that comes with not fitting into some kind of specific mold for people, especially when you're including that in some kind of brand. And what has your been experience in including your sapphic lesbianism as front and center as part of your artist's brand? What's been your experience with that? Well, I think the bio you're referring to is the one on my website, which is where I say like something about sapphism. I don't actually identify as like a sapphic lesbian because sapphic already means of and relating to lesbians. Yeah, true. (laughs) Just women who love women. It's just not the term lesbian, which you typically would mean like only women 100% can be six, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sometimes I use the term sapphic to make a more like soft uh, softer energy than the term lesbian because I know a lot of people especially recently have been a little bit like 
you see on the lesbian term. A couple of my friends are like, I don't want to call myself a lesbian because that means that I only like women all the time, always, and I couldn't even be 99%. I agree that that term has been a lot more rigid, especially recently. So I find it like nice when people do that. But I, in fact, am a lesbian. Can't, yes. <laughs> can't ever be with a man. So it's really fitting for me. So yeah. that's really where I am with that. And in response to your little statement about how people are struggling to like find the labels, is that something that you were talking about just now? Or just what's your experience having your queerness be a part of your brand? Has it made things easier? Has it made things harder? Do you notice a difference? How does that play a role in what you do? Well, I was a lesbian before I became a musician. So it's just always been part of what I'm doing. <laughs> it was more difficult when I was younger because I did start playing guitar when I was 14 and I had my first show like three months into that. So I was always like, here I am and I'm so awkward and I'm so gay, you know? <laughs> and when you're young and queer, I think it's harder to be taken seriously. And when you're young and a musician, it's also hard to be taken seriously. So that was like a really, it was a bigger struggle for me in that way. Just because like double whammy. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I might be 14 and 15, but I still have like really valid and really intense feelings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably more than now, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I would never go back if I was given the choice. No, no. But the, oh, my God, the poetry is just revolting. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I had pages and pages. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably how that all I have to say about that, I think. Just, yeah, I've always been out when I've been a musician. And I think that it's a lot more difficult for me to find an audience that resonates than somebody who would be heterosexual and like appearing that way and being more traditionally feminine, probably. I mean, I'm feminine, yeah, but I'm not traditionally feminine. I'm still a feminine lesbian. So I think it would probably be more popular or more easy to sell than if I were gay, which I am. So I don't really know. <laughs> It's hard to say because I don't have the other side of the experience. I mean, just for me, like, it's been a series of, first of all, discovering who I am. And so, I mean, I was in love with a girl at the age of 15, but I wasn't actually out to anyone really until I was in my 20s. And then it's really only been this last couple of years that I've really started embracing the term non-binary and actually asking people to use, like, they, them pronouns and stuff. So for me, like, as it's like, but I've been making music since as long as I can remember. So it's really been an evolving thing and just the awkwardness of having to be like, hey, so this is kind of who I am, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> adding that in there. So I was just curious what your experiences were with that. But your gayness came first. <laughs> it did. <laughs> if you were, you were already out before you started exploring your artist brand. So that was a, probably a bit more of a cohesive journey that way, at least. Yeah, one of the first girls that I like, I actually started learning how to play guitar and like she introduced me to Tegan and Sarah. So like she was like, oh, hi, you're looking a little gay. Here's this <laughs> band I love. And I'm like, I'm going to play guitar and I'm going to impress you hard. Let's do it. <laughs> I did end up impressing her. We were together for two years. So Nice. Well done. <laughs> good job, guitar. Thank you. That's why I call it the gay instrument. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So, I mean, I guess just to move on, why do you think that representation or do you think that the representation of minorities in media is important? Do I think that representation of minorities <laughs> is important? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe more yeah. than that, like intersectional minorities are more important than like minorities in the media. I think that, that we do have a, a lot and increasing amounts of representation in the media, but I think access for people of color, people, queer people, or like people of lower classes, the access to being 
like even in the music industry is like really hard because they can't like some people can't afford to even like have a producer or be a producer or play an instrument so I feel like that's really where we are lacking in this because like there are voices that should be heard and very very talented people out there that we don't know about just because like they don't have access to the platform I think that's really what needs to happen now because we do we've got sweet queer artists we've got like freaking of course, everyone say Haley Kiyoko. We have Rhea May. We have Shura, Muna, like people who are queer and bi and lesbian. Like they're here. We're just, I also think that a lot of people don't know about them yet. Yeah, absolutely. I very much agree with you on the fact that a lot of people just aren't, they don't have access. <laughs> they don't have access to the, to the tools, to the platforms, to the audiences. There's just a lot of things to be improved. That's just my take on representation in the media. I have always been thinking about that because like I am privileged enough to still be like a white like queer person and just have that be my only thing I'm just a a gay lady you're just a what I'm just a gay lady oh (laughs) but it's still like it did make it harder and is continuing to make it harder for me to like have access to like maybe fans or like an entire half of the population you know so I feel like it's even more as you pile on like the roadblocks so in the future, I'd like to see more from, like, especially queer people of color. I think their story could be, like, told. Do you know of Becca Mankari? She's also a really great example of this. She's just another gay lady, but she's wonderful. Got a little country vibe going on. That sounds awesome. I'm going to have to, like, Google all of these people. That I'll send you the list. I think, I, think I, re- I think I recognized a couple of the names, but I'm going to have to Google all these people after this interview. Okay. I mean, I'm terrible at artist names as like celebrity names, really, but that extends to a lot of artist names, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of their names are pretty rough to remember. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I've always been really bad at name memorization. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, if there's anything else you wanted to talk about related to representation of minorities, if you have any other thoughts, now's the time. (laughs) I'm just trying to think. My only recommendation for like anybody who's trying to get into the thing or like to the music industry or to find like a platform for it, just like freaking learn how to produce something, even if it's just on like your phone or laptop or whatever, if you like, you know, can. That's really the biggest recommendation is to just like start getting into it. I read a couple of artist bios recently of people who like run their own labels. And I've been so excited about that. I'm like, yes, I'm not the only one who's doing this because it really is like one of the smartest things to do. And like, I'm to the point now where I don't have very many listeners. I have like maybe 5,000 monthly listeners across like the higher streaming things. And like, I'm starting to be able to like get my music pays for itself now. And that's super exciting. So I feel like that's really what people who are more independent or like can't find a record label to sign them. Like that's really like, Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to get here. I recommend that path highly. Plus, it's really nice to be the own, like your representation, like representative for your music. It's like super fun. Yeah, definitely. Could you talk a little bit more about how your journey has been growing yourself as an independent musician and getting those listeners in the first place? How did you build the platform? I mean, you don't have to give like detail, detailed no, marketing advice. Step by step details. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was signed to a record label between the ages of 16 and 18 years old. And I had a producer and she did all the work for me and she was great. And it was really fun. She played like eight instruments and I played, you know, the two. (laughs) 
<laughs> the three by then. So I would like write songs and I'd bring them to her and she would do them for me. And then when our contract was up, she wanted to go work on her own music. And I was like, all right, well then I'll see. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of got left behind in that. And she said that we'd like do another project, but I was like, I'm going to let her go. You know, no big deal. So that was like the jumping off point for me. And by my 18th birthday, I had my first EP ready to go. And that one's still out. It's called Strip. And it's just me playing piano. And you can tell in that music that it's poorly produced because it was the first time I ever had to do that on my own. And I was like, I was so scared. And I like didn't really know what I was going to do because I didn't have a producer anymore. I didn't have a label. I didn't have access to these things that I used to have access to because she would do it for me. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So like finding the resources and finding the platform for that, like really, if you just search like how to release my music to Spotify, that's the top thing to start doing. It's easy if there's a ton of sites that'll help you and like you just you can pay a flat fee and then they'll give you the royalties. It's super easy. Yeah, yeah. I've actually written a short guide that I want to start releasing to folks who are interested in publishing and are interested in coming on to Mind the Artist. So that'll be also available as a good resource. Oh, that's super exciting. Yeah, that's going to be really helpful. Also, free and easy to do if you don't have a label and don't want to pay money. SoundCloud is how I got a huge start for me. I found like I got a couple hundred listeners from the first few albums on SoundCloud. That was before and when I had my record label and then after. So that was like a huge starting point for me to like have positive feedback on my music, know that I could potentially do something with it. That's awesome. No, that's really cool. I just wanted to see what your journey was and what you're releasing journey look like I guess for anybody else who's you know trying to get inspired and figure out where to where to go with that so yeah but now that you've got a step guide that's going to be great I highly recommend listening to whatever you have to say everybody (laughs) (laughs) thanks (laughs) yeah okay so just you know we're getting here towards the end if you had to give one piece of advice besides the production just mostly speaking to other artists who feel like they don't quite fit into the mold they don't feel like they fit into a genre and they're just trying to find their space, what recommendations do you have for them? Okay, here's my wise, gorgeous advice for this. Being of unique background and having something different going for you and feeling like you don't fit into the mold is the grounds and like beautiful point of being an artist at all. So talking about your experience and having that makes you unique and not behind. So you can take that and be like, this is something that makes me strong and make that part of your experience and make be proud of that. So that's really the biggest recommendation that I have in my like advice is to just be the artist that you are and be like proud of that. If you like just work on that, I think that's the best thing to do. It's great to, you know, have that like bit of self-confidence and be like, yeah, I might be a little bit rougher because of society and being a minority, but that's what makes you special. And there is a space for you where you put yourself, you know, I 100% agree. I think that what makes art interesting is the fact that it's made by so many different people from so many different circles and so many different backgrounds. So yeah, if you take that introspect on it and really make it part of what you do, I think that's awesome. So I'm, I'm really glad you said that because that was awesome advice. <laughs> Thank you. This is brokenly worded, but I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's everybody. Like, If anyone puts you on the spot to be like, can you give me some advice? It's like never going to come out quite the way that you have it in your head. Do you have any final words that you'd like to make sure we talk about here on this interview or for listeners, for other artists and anything else that you want to cover? No, I think I really wrapped it up perfectly in my last sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I love the confidence. <laughs> oh my goodness. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this thank podcast. Thank you so much it was really for fun to have you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. If you're gonna lose.
listening to The Edge by Whitney Lindquist. I encourage you to check it out on Spotify so you can listen to the full track. You can find the song in all of Wit's links in the episode description. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mind the Artist. Once again, I am your host, Anne Dorco, and you can learn more about my chaotic good projects by visiting dorco.tv. Oh